Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Indie Football Podcast and it is welcome back after what can only be described as absolutely ages without a podcast. I believe uh, that every team has played four Premier League matches and one FA Cup game since we last recorded, which means that we have a lot to catch up on and of course that means that I can't possibly be doing it alone. And alongside me today is to my left, Chief Football Writer of the Independent, Miguel Delaney. Good afternoon, well, good morning even and Happy New Year. Good. Well, yeah. uh, all of the greetings. Yeah. Uh, to my right... Uh, Chief Sports Writer of the Independent it is Jonathan Liu. Hi. And uh, just trying to keep you on your toes there. Uh, handing the microphone back to him is Jack Pitt-Brook. Hi, Ed. How are you? I am okay. Did uh, you have a nice time in America? I had a, a delightful time in America uh, where I did very little work and um, enjoyed that. Uh, watched a lot of college football, which is one of the most problematic sports on the planet, but uh, I really enjoyed it. And uh, anyone watch the NFL last night? Yeah, oh, it was amazing. Yeah. So Philadelphia Yeah. <laughs> were playing somebody, it was CHI, I couldn't remember. Yeah, uh, Chicago it? Bears. Chi- yeah. Oh, Chicago. Of yes, Chicago. yes. Um, yeah, so on the wild cards, and it was uh, the wild <laughs> the wild cards <laughs> were yeah. playing. How, how, do you, how do you feel about UK people being really in, intensely interested in the NFL? Uh, it's, a, I mean, it's a little bit like UK people being really into uh, trains or pigeons. <laughs> Um, there's a bit of that and speaking of pigeon botherers miguel um Thanks. it's been a real it's been a real turnaround <laughs> pigeon um, botherers. since we last had a podcast uh, the last time you were in here <laughs> that- um you were moaning about jose Mourinho's manchester united yeah jose Mourinho's manchester united no more uh, I, th- I think on our podcast he said the day before that he would be staying at manchester united yeah yeah <laughs> uh, we, we didn't quite see the big departure coming and then uh obviously we were far too busy to uh i mean we were far too busy to do another podcast yeah. basically because it was just uh, a few days of solid writing uh Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is in and he is the savior uh they've won four games from four since he took over uh in the premier league and then they beat reading which doesn't really count and uh top of the form table heading into a game at spurs this weekend which is his first proper test as uh manager how are you feeling about the manchester united situation right now um i suppose without we can't escape this, but without forever referring back to the man that was previously in the job, it basically kind of just shows that uh, this problem at United had almost gone beyond tactics, gone beyond what the manager does, because the situation between the players and the old management had got so toxic, it just needed some kind of change. And we've seen that, and I suppose, whatever it's been now, four games or so. Four games, four yeah. wins, 14 that- goals, third, uh, three conceded. So that would be kind of like, you know, tally with the honeymoon period after the initial change. And it's quite, it kind of comes at a nice time, this game, because now it's one of those matches where after the initial bump and initial kind of, you know, every, everyone, the release of losing that man, um, yeah, we, I suppose there's almost, without being too harsh on Solskjaer, there's now a bit more management involved because they're playing one of the canniest teams in the league. Miguel, like a traumatised child, can't mention that man's name. Um, you know the science of it. 
Potter. He who must not be named. Yeah. Not that Miguel <laughs> will get the a reference Miguel would not get because he's never the, read Harry Potter. The Portuguese manager. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so that's a Macbeth reference. Uh, I, I like that. So, so you know the science of the new manager bounce? The, yeah. the, like the regression, to the, regression to the mean and all yes, that. So, yes, so yes. manager gets a run of difficult games and then and then that gets sacked, new manager gets a run of easy games and, and everybody thinks he's a genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's, it's not not ridiculous to suggest that Mourinho would, would have won all five of those games. I, mean, I actually... They were so bad, though. Oh, we, no, we can't, we can't talk. We can't spend a podcast. We, we can't spend another podcast talking about Mourinho. Um, the point I, being that it's quite easy for somebody new to come in. Not yes. not easy. Not not as in, like, you know, you or I could do it. They, maybe you. Uh, not me. Uh, could come in and just, just get them winning. Uh, but I think Pogba would have responded to your management. I think so. Yeah, I think me. I think me and Paul. You know, me and Paul would have bonded over. Uh, there, d- give me a while to think of that. There uh, are players in the change room that you could have motivated, and there are some that you probably couldn't. Which ones do you think you would have struggled to click with, and which ones would you have got a good reaction out of? Well, I think I think Phil Jones and I would have would have clicked immediately. We, we, I think we were similar people. We would have bonded over like a, sh- a shared. Uh, investment in Chinese culture. Yeah. Did you, you, you remember when, uh, when, when Phil, Phil Jones and, and darts? Yeah, you remember when Phil Jones um, like he tweeted Happy New Year in Chinese to all his Chinese to all my Chinese followers in in um, well, in China, I guess. Happy, happy <laughs> <laughs> and all over the world, uh, Happy New Year. Uh, so you know that would be one guy I could I could get on side pretty quickly. Um, Scott Mock, Scott McTominay. Yeah, I, f- I feel Scott McTominay very much on my level as a footballer. Yeah, so you know, yeah. I, I feel like I empathise with with um, with him on on that. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd go in and I'd, I'd I'd kick a few asses. Yeah, well, I mean, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer does not look like he's kicked any asses, uh, except those of the opposing teams. What do we think, uh, Jack, about the fact that even with Solskjaer in place, we got Man United Tottenham coming up, and all of the talk is going to be about Pochettino potentially being in the Man United dugout. Spurs fans are going to love that. Yes, they are correct. Yeah, I mean, Spurs are playing much better than United at the moment, obviously. It's weird, but you'd have to make Spurs favourites for that game. Uh, it's, I mean, I, what it means for Pochettino's chance of getting the job, I don't know. I mean, I wonder whether for Spurs' perspective, perhaps for Spurs, the best thing that could happen would be for United to win that game mm-hmm. and to continue to play well and maybe to come like fourth. Yeah, and correct. to lose the final of the Champions League or the semi-final of the Champions League. And then everyone at United's like, you know what, Solskjaer's really good. Let's yeah. keep hold of Solskjaer. And that way, Pochino might stay at Tottenham for a bit longer if he were not to go to Real Madrid. Big game for Poch uh, in terms of what he can... You know, when he went to Madrid for those Champions League games, the, the, the two legs last year, he sat down for interviews with all the major Spanish papers. It was a clear charm offensive. And, and you felt that he was putting more stock in those games against Real Madrid and that if he could win those, they would have a bit more meaning than, than usually beating Real Madrid because of his own career. Is that the same with this United game? Yeah, I mean, look, Pochino is an obsessive image cultivator. Uh, someone at Spurs told me that they've never met anyone have as many showers as him. Like he's so, uh, <laughs> uh, so you know, you, you might call him vain. It's a club um, that's poor on hygiene usually. But so yeah, he is. De- he it. definitely like you know he he's quite impressed by himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, he, and, he, and yeah, he's he, got yeah. he's got every right to be impressed by he's himself. He stands naked. I remember mean, we were at this game. Miguel and I were at the game, which the League Cup game, which they won at the Emirates the other week. And Tot- after the game, all the Tottenham players were coming slowly off the pitch, and they were filing off one by one. And all the Spurs fans were staying in the away end because they wanted to applaud Pochettino. And like normally what would happen in that situation is that the manager would go onto the pitch, mingle with the players, 
and then like take some of the applause from the away end that was also di- that was directed at the players, but also directed at him. Mm-hmm. That's not how Pochettino did it. He stood on the touchline, waited for every single Tottenham player, sub, member of staff to file off the pitch, so that then, having said good, having said well done to everyone, he could go onto the pitch and take the applause of like nine thousand Spurs fans entirely for Get himself. Your own glory. Like that is the you know. I mean, he's not Mourinho level because that would be biologically impossible, but he is almost (laughs) as... He he, uh, he wears it better than Mourinho. He does wear it better than Mourinho. He can kind of carry carry off the kind of I am the macho bloke, I'm the best Mm. kind of vibe better than Jose can. And being from Argentina, there's nothing more important than being macho. Uh, Do you think that this is a game that Spurs will win? I mean, they are... They're a similar level side to Manchester United. Man United are obviously down in sixth and Spurs are up in, in third. Uh, Spurs fans got very annoyed by being kind of overlooked in that whole Liverpool-Man City build-up as the team in second. They weren't playing in that game, though. They, it's correct. Which, which, well, I mean, well that, identified, that, that, they that weren't the, playing you know, in that game. That was, that was uh, the main, uh, main issue. With. On a podcast that we have, we call them friends of our podcast, even though they're rivals, I don't know, second captains, I said, uh, I've made a joke about this being the um, the playoff for the Manchester United job and got Angry DMs from Spurs fans. Oh God! Oh, so I went on. Uh, I went on a Sunday supplement, another rival podcast. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I. St- when will the <laughs> they, treachery they, well, end? They asked me about Pochettino and and United, and I said uh, probably not the best choice of words that Pochettino is probably the best manager available to United. <laughs> and uh, since then, I've had to I had to mute all the conversations since then. But just hundreds of Spurs fans going, sending me like screenshots of the of the Google dictionary entry for, for available uh-huh. and, and he's not available if he's available then so are Guardiola and Klopp and, and, and all that what, what I think this shows is that Spurs have a real United complex uh, they don't they don't so much have an Arsenal complex I think I think that kind of got exercised in the last few years they have a little bit of a Chelsea complex but they've really got a United complex piece, this goes all the way back to uh, Carrick yep. Berbatov yeah. Sheringham yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I was going to say Carrick Berbatov <laughs> and Essentially, um, Ferguson, Ferguson's like lads. It's Tottenham comment. There's, there's a, there's been a real. That, that is a good. Piece. That's the one. That's the. I mean, that's the, that's the line, isn't it? That you think that a great manager, as well, not just any manager, a great manager has been so openly disparaging of your, of your club, basically, and and everything that surrounds your club, the mentality that surrounds your club, and that he was right. Yeah, and and at that time they had to take it. And I would go so far as to say United is probably Spurs' biggest complex. Because Chelsea openly hate Spurs. They they sing, we hate Tottenham yeah. before games not involving Tottenham, yeah. which is kind of a, a validation of, of sort. United don't care about Spurs, or at least they didn't for a long time, and that, that's what really annoyed them. Mm. So all this Pochettino stuff has really reawakened some of those old wounds, I think, and that, that's why Spurs are, are just so, so desperate to, to put one over on them every time. And this you're going to this game, Miguel. Yeah. Are we all going to it? No. No, I'm going to Brighton against Liverpool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brighton against Liverpool. Danny? So that's at Wembley yep. on, on Saturday. Sunday. Sunday. So you're seeing the turnaround in Man United, but do you think that they are at the level of Spurs? I mean, the league table says there's 10 points between them. Obviously, take off some for the Mourinho discount, but... Um, squad quality, I think... <laughs> this doesn't really work in real life, where you kind of tally up the actual base talent of every player in the squad I think United is, is quite significantly higher but what's the real difference between the teams is that Spurs for the last half decade have been so tightly and supremely managed and that's been the major difference between the teams uh, there's an argument Spurs have better players I mean Harry Kane's probably the best out of the two squads maybe Christian Eriksen too but in terms of the overall 
level of the squad. I think United is higher, but they're just they're they're, they're a shapeless mess. Whereas Spurs are kind of the tightest, probably the tightest managed side of arguably in Europe in that sense. Maybe Bar Atletico Madrid. I was about to say, did you see Atletico Madrid against Sevilla? I mean, again, that's a slightly yeah different level. Well, of, uh, I think it could be a really high scoring game. Yeah, yeah. Solskjaer wants to he wants to play quite a high line defense with a defense that's not quite ready for that. But then, do you not think because there is an argument? This was a bit of a problem with Mourinho, in that United squad is actually Mourinho almost had an inverse. They had very poor defenders and great attackers. Yeah, he was playing to the strengths of the defense. Yeah, uh, which actually just neutered both because put the, both because put the defense under pressure and meant the attack weren't getting the kind of ball that they would have loved. Whereas now Solskjaer at least is kind of doing what yeah. that, that team should be doing. And Spurs are are actually quite you know you, you can hurt them with with. Uh, pretty sophisticated uh, attacking combinations, um, so uh, that's why I think it's going to be pretty goalie. Do you think that Solskjaer really? Do, do you think what, what do you think Solskjaer has to do to earn to earn the job? And or do you think that there should be no yeah, scenario? Basically, yeah, there should be no scenario in which <laughs> he, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> there should be no scenario in which he gets the job. I think. Well, uh, sorry, go on. No, 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 I mean, go ahead. Okay, uh, wins Champions League, wins FA Cup, murders Pochettino, Zidane, (laughs) and Simeone. Unless Zidane thinks I'm quiet. I think Zidane, Zidane, uh, you should be watching Juventus more than Manchester Mm. United. Um, I'm not... You could see why people might think Zidane would work at United, given the exact job he did at Real Madrid. But I think that... He has very little kind of synergy with Man United. There's no, there's no link there. Whereas with Juventus, there is an enormous link. It might be the end of Allegri anyway. Mm. They've had to convince him both of the last two summers to stay. Just to me, it seems like the most natural fit. If if they did win the Champions League in a kind of Ole Gunnar Di Matteo style, they would have to give him the job, wouldn't they? Yeah. So you'd, you'd, yeah. You'd, you'd, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then he'd be gone at Christmas, and they get Rafa for the second half of next yeah. season. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I saw Rafa getting asked about the Man United job. I can never in a million years imagine Ed Woodward right, yeah. even considering Rafa for a second. Um, you said you were going to Brighton-Liverpool on Saturday. Oh, yeah. And this is uh, important because Liverpool are our Premier League leaders. It might not feel like it after Man City beat them on uh, whatever day that was, Thursday. Thursday. So Thursday. Liverpool are four points clear still, um, and they'd like you to remember that. How do you see uh, the title race since we were last on here, Jack? Um. I think it's really hard to call. Uh, I think that Liverpool. Pl- I think Liverpool played re- first things first. I think Liverpool played, played really well on Thursday. Like yeah. I don't want to. We shouldn't get like bogged down <coughs> in the weeds of what happened on Thursday. But I did think Liverpool were good, and if they continue to play well, then of course they will win the league. Like they've got City aren't City are not going to win every game left, and that means that Liverpool have to drop not just four, but let's say seven or nine points or t- even ten points for City to win the title. Um, and I think that would require a bit of a collapse, like more of a collapse than I expect but them to have. I, I, I just can't see Liverpool or any team pretty much sustaining the form they've had up to yeah. Christmas. And and also now there's that just the, the kind of the whole dynamic change there, not just because they they lost City and lost an unbeaten record, but that is huge. But also just because now every match means more, and every match, whereas you would have seen, okay, like I don't know, say Palace at home, sorry, yet. Um, that's just okay. Here's another, here's another step that we should get through. Quite now that now, the, like the the profile of those games changes. They go from like a step they see is so it's an obstacle now. Every yeah, game yeah. looks that bit more awkward. If you're not if you're not leading by fifty five minutes, oh, 
because it's getting a bit nervy. Yeah, that is the problem, isn't it? When you start counting down rather than up, when yeah. you start saying we've only got to get through 16 more games, or yeah. what's, the, what's the number now? 17 more games. 17, yeah. Uh, then, you know, you, you're completely right. The mentality changes. But I don't, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but I I would expect them to probably keep on, I would probably expect them to keep on winning. Yeah, but, but, Bri- but Brighton's no. very interesting this in this week in the sense of, first of all, how they how to recover to their first defeat. And then I saw, not just how to recover, but how they play and, because Brighton's actually, it is arguably, given what we're talking about, those type of fixtures, one of the most awkward they can play. Because basically, a team at home who are quite tough to break down, uh, kind of, you know. Yeah, Brighton will just sit in and defend and wait for set pieces and corners. Like, yeah. I went to, um, I was, I was at West Ham Brighton the other day, and Brighton had no shots apart from two corners, mm. both of which they scored from. On that, I, I, pl- I plan to do a piece on this for, um, just two days before that Brighton game, but... I was told after the City game that Liverpool remain really confident because loads loads of players basically think that the difference between this team and so many previous or so many recent seasons and I suppose the previous Liverpool teams is Van Dijk and not just the obvious of you know being a, such an expensive defender, but I think he is the real crucial factor in games against smaller sides because the amount he just cuts out. I mean, how many times have we seen those games, particularly Liverpool, where you know it's it's nil all or one nil? And they're going to want to want to steal the game, and then they're caught by some spawny break. They yeah. think Van Dijk is absolutely brilliant at um, at covering that. And as as as, as one player quipped, apparently uh, he even made Carrius look good for six months. Uh, I mean, they got the best defense in the league. I, I, I didn't realize they only only conceded ten goals in twenty one games, which is quite impressive considering Lovren's been there all season. I think the the thing the issue with Liverpool is going to be how much gas they've got in the tank. Yeah. Uh, Last season, they were they were able to to concentrate on the Champions League, so they were able to peak for for these really big games. City, I think, have uh, yeah, they've got De Bruyne to come back. Uh, Jesus hasn't played a huge amount. Gundogan hasn't played a huge amount. Uh, they've got, I th- I just think they've they've got more energy in them. And and when when it comes to April April and May, we're going to see whether this Liverpool side has you know, physically and emotionally the energy to actually power all the way through to the finish line. I do I do think Klopp has that thing where he gets the teams into these runs and he, and he, and he it's all about the kind of that momentum I know momentum is a completely invented thing but he gets them into a zone where right you're going to be the same 11 playing virtually every week we're just going to make a couple of changes here and there just to keep the results going keep the wins going like he's always done that my only concern is whether they've done that too early this year yeah. you know if they win all the way through from say like November till February that might not be enough you have to go all the way th- you have to finish it as well like we saw this with with City last year, City kind of tailed off and, and Liverpool came on strong at the end of the season. Obviously, it was enough for City to win the league comfortably, but Liverpool's run of form helped propel them to the Champions League final. It's whether they've already had their good run of, of the season or if this defeat, as you say, Miguel, might derail them slightly. Mm-hmm. City have still lost three of the last six games. City aren't exactly on form themselves, well, but, but they edged a narrow game against Liverpool and the whole thing changes. And they have the capacity to just kind of, we know they can put these runs together. Well, Kevin De Bruyne, if he plays the whole yeah, second yeah, half yeah. of the season, then he, you'd say he's worth, you know, a few points in the, in the title race, Jack? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you're right that City haven't been playing well recently, but I do think that the last, that Thursday night will have a transformational effect on on confidence and how they uh, and how they continue to play from here, and you're right. Of course, De Bruyne will make a big difference. So I think City, I think we can, I think we know that City will perform well from now until the end of the season. Like the big question is Liverpool, and I think there's probably more variance with Liverpool than the City. On, on a wider perspective, 
there's been this kind of whole. Well, w- w- one of the things that people say you hear from the media a lot is, "Oh, wouldn't it be great if Liverpool won the title? It's something to be celebrated." And there is the, the wider argument about how it would be good if such a super-funded club who are basically owned by a state get beaten in Manchester City. But one thing that I really found about around that game especially is how much people don't want Liverpool to win the league. And I, what, what, what do we... Uh... I saw a lot of rival fans, I mean, like, <laughs> like Arsenal fans, uh, Chelsea fans, kind of celebrating the City win. Hmm. You know, a lot of the, Throughout the games, I can't believe I'm supporting City today, but this is how it is. Um, th- th- that is clearly a sense of, but you, I've seen this before. You've seen mm. this before, you know, when, um, I remember when Leicester, kind of everyone did get behind Leicester, for example, when they were, because it was Leicester or Spurs and people were much preferring mm. the idea of Leicester winning the, the league than Spurs. And you're looking at this now and, and who would people rather win? City is the kind of the better the devil you know sort of thing or kind of, but, it's the least worst option for a lot of people. But, but why? Why? This is the right, thing. Well, th- um, Nobody ever wants Tom to get Jerry, right? <laughs> Imagine, like, one episode, Tom finally corners Jerry, like, ripped his head off, mouse blood gushing all over the screen, and, and, and he eats him over, over the course of, of several grisly hours. The show's over. It's a and, long, long episode of yeah, Tom and, and Jerry. In, in many ways, the, the story of the Premier League, obviously there's been, there's been plenty of stories, but in one of the defining themes of the 28 years of the Premier League, 27 years of the Premier League, has been the many and entertaining and manifold and richly varied ways in which Liverpool can screw things up. And once Liverpool stop screwing things up, then obviously you have a, a catharsis of sorts. But then, you know, wh- where do you go from there? <laughs> where, do you, where, where do you go? Like The, the, the storyline's dead. Tom has got Jerry. It'll be, like, uh, it's be like Arsenal without Wenger. Arsenal without Wenger haven't got an identity. They're just mm. like a generic big club. Liverpool, if, if Liverpool win the league, they'll just be like a big club that sometimes wins. Mm. Yeah. It won't be Liverpool anymore. Well, but, but is this not... Because uh, it's not actually part of it. Because the whole one of the things I've noticed that it, people, why people are so resistant to Liverpool is because they see themselves as so distinctive. Um, and I, so I, you know, this, I saw a lot of criticism because stuff like you know, when they had the kind of slogan on their bus last year, "This means more," which is which is what a lot of it comes down to. It seems to. Um, it's amazing that City fans almost man, literally Manchester City fans who for most of our lives were kind of. You know, up and down the divisions, they're now taking a potential Premier League and Champions League final, mm-hmm. whatever, just in their stride. Like it's a completely normal season for them. It's like you know, we might win it, we might not, and, and there's not even like a huge amount of excitement necessarily about that. Kind of the excitement is to come. The excitement is to see whether you can get over the hump in the Champions League. Whereas Liverpool are kind of already all in on this title chase. Jack, yeah, that I mean, it will be interesting to see how much pressure there is from the Liverpool. F- fans to the Liverpool players and whether or not the Liverpool players can can cope with it or not because so far obviously the atmosphere has been very it's always so supportive at Anfield but I you do as Miguel said earlier you do wonder what will happen if they've got 20 minutes left in the game they should be winning if any of that anxiety mm. starts to transpose on, onto the pitch do you uh, have, particularly given that lots of those Liverpool players haven't won anything before. yeah yeah uh, the, that might, might be one of the big advantages that City have is some of those guys have won three Premier League titles. Is Van Dijk the only title winner in, in the squad? No. Salah and Shaqiri must have won a ton. Of course, yeah, yeah. At Basel and Bayern Munich. Um, you would also have, who else is in there? Firmino won't have done. Salah. Wijnaldum's won the championship. Oh, Wijnaldum's won the championship. Well, James Milner won the Premier League. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 
Fabinho with Monaco. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Yeah. So, forget, so forget, there, forget what he said. There are, there are a few in there. There are a few in there. Um, any other thoughts on the top of the table before we have a quick look at the bottom? The middle doesn't really bear much talking about looking at the table. I mean, the bottom kind of starts at seventh these days, isn't it? <laughs> I, I hadn't realised how bad a form Huddersfield are on. They've w- lost the they're last dead, six. They're, they're on ten points. They're doomed. They're eight points adrift. Speaking of the bottom, can I commend, I mean, I know it's a few days ago, but Jonathan's piece about Fulham versus Huddersfield and what it tells us about the modern Premier League and the relevance of the teams is really, really good. It's totally worth your time. Which you can you find, can find it on independent.co.uk. Correct. Well mm. done. Uh, well done there. Um, <laughs> I j- and you <laughs> also just reminded me that there's a... Um, An ad to do. <laughs> yeah, there is. <laughs> so you, you carry on talking just one second while I sort this out. Talk among yourselves. All oh, right. Uh, well, I, I, I thought... Th- thank you very much, Jack. Uh, like and retweet. Yeah. I thought a lot of these, these games are, um, are really quite almost dispiriting to go to. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's 10 or 12 teams you could say this about. Um, and that's not through really their own fault. Uh, it's just the fact that the Premier League is so int- intrinsically and uh, geared towards you know its upper echelons that anything else comes to, comes to be seen as something of an afterthought. And, and it shouldn't be like that. I mean, 20 years ago, the Premier League was, was full of really interesting characters and storylines all the way up and down. The, you know, you've you got geniuses playing you know, g- for teams that were, that were getting relegated and 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 characters all over the place and, and great storylines. But it's interesting you say that at the weekend where the big discussion is that the Premier League has so cannibalised the FA Cup and at these kind of teams that we say we're not really interested in, which is actually true, um, or their games that the general public isn't really interested in, that um, they're the ones resting, you know, players of the FA Cup. Resting for, managers. I mean, when, yeah. uh, when Sarri's putting up <laughs> Zola pre-match and Cudicini post-match for his press conference... <laughs> You do. This was a weekend where I felt like it, an, it, another big swing away from the FA Cup. Yeah, like but you, a, you really noticed it this weekend. On the way in here, I was just reading two pieces on exactly that theme. But it, so it's interesting to just discuss Johnny's piece in that. I mean, if the, what does it say about those clubs and their situation if they're resting players for a competition that inherently, actually, its main public, by their own fans, of course, mightn't really care about them. Well, I think. I mean, I'm going to speak for Johnny here because I'm holding the microphone. He hasn't got it. But uh, like, I think one of the main takeaways I took from from Johnny's article was like the, these clubs are geared to all, the, all literally all they care about is desperately mm-hmm. clinging on to Premier League mm-hmm. status, and that means that even though of course it would be nice if they like went on a cup run, mm-hmm. they don't care about going on a cup run. Like literally, all they care about is staying in the Prem. You can and only care, you can only care about a cup run if you're if you're considered safe enough. Basically, right, 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 right. right. Yeah, completely. Right, but the thing is, I, I saw a lot of stuff over the weekend about why doesn't Claude Puel uh, and, and Lesser, why don't they have a go at the cup? Why doesn't like, Everton and Marco Silva, you know, as Watford well. and Javi Gracia, who I was there, uh, w- woken yesterday, and they, they won, but they made 11 changes. Uh, and I, I think one of the reasons for that is that even a second string United or City or, or, or Tottenham is good enough to, to beat a, a Leicester. You know, if, you, if it was a... If, if, like say Crystal Palace two or three years ago had a really really good go at the cup mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. didn't didn't make it uh, eight minutes away yeah eight minutes away uh, teams like Everton had was it two finals in a row like mid table clubs do get to the, the FA Cup final on a, on a pretty regular basis Stoke twenty eleven uh, and they still fall short and the the fact that I think all but two of the last twenty six or twenty seven FA Cups have been won by United Liverpool Arsenal. Chelsea City and Arsenal yeah it it, it is you know 
the big clubs are, are still monopolising this, even though they don't really care about it that much. I, I also wouldn't mind, I've said it before, I wouldn't mind a Champions League place going to the winner of the FA Cup if you want to really revitalise it. But do, do, what, why, why would you want to revitalise I mean, like, traditionalists want to revitalise it. But well, why, no, but there's no, the, the, the balance of power is not with the FA, the balance yeah. of power is with the Premier League. There's no, there's no governatorial power really with the FA in this. What difference would it have made? For a Champions League place to have been given to the FA Cup for the last twenty five years. No, I think I, I just think I think it'd be an interesting wrinkle. Basically, I think football, especially top level football in Europe, has become far too predictable, and I think it'd be an interesting change. Essentially, that's it. That, that's my only angle on it. You know, people like Miguel, who are essentially footballing Tories, would complain when like Hash. Watford. If Watford win the FA Cup and get in the Champions League, Miguel would be raging at having to go to Watford against Rapid no, Vienna. That, that, that that that's not, not true. Not that true. some explanation and, and a, a right to reply. Right. No, no, you, know, no, you, know, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's all great until we I, get in the Europa League and then everyone... Let Ed attack you. I, <laughs> I, I grew up covering League of Ireland. Footballing Tories. I've literally covered one of Europe's most... It was you who told me the other day that you haven't seen a game without two I, that's, six clubs that, that's just the nature of my role <laughs> <laughs> if anything, it, if that, anything it's your boss yeah exactly um, what I should do uh, while we're here is just remind you to join the Independent Minds the new subscription from the Independent that gives you access to exclusive articles events ebooks a new app and of course no advertising subscribe today for just five ninety nine a month visit, visit independent.co.uk slash minds today to find out more and on there for example you could read Jack Pitbrook's brilliant piece about the Premier League's effect, or no, wrong way around, Brexit's effect on the Premier League, which, is very good. which has become free to read today. So if you go and read that, it's a little kind of sneak peek at what you could be getting. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It actually became free to read in December but today what did become free to read is my piece about Jaden Sancho and Joe Gomez and Reece Nelson uh, and how like a very small strip of South London in the boroughs of uh, Southwark and Lewisham have produced like more and more and more of our best footballers and why that might be and that of course is, is more the interesting long form stuff that uh, if you have the patience to listen to us on a podcast basis you're probably going to enjoy the stuff on Independent Minds so please go and check that out. Also on there, you would have had over the Christmas period, Johnny's review of sport in 2018, my preview Three of stars. sport in 2019. And um, what was your sport in 2018 review in a nutshell? Uh, three stars could do better. Could do better. What What would you say? Would you say we let ourselves down? Uh, we let ourselves down a, a little bit. One thing I, I actually was, I thought was a, was a really good thing about sport in 2018 is we, we didn't, 
we didn't really have any any really sad major deaths <laughs> uh we obviously you know we, we lost we lost some some illustrious names but I, normally I, I i think after after the misery of the last sort of two or three years we had I some think bad ones in we, we got off pretty so. lightly in 2018 yeah. i think he said I was slave to him. <laughs> He's fortunate to die in 2018. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it like that. There is, there is perhaps a slight element of that. Well, the only way you know is if you watch Sports Personality and you get the death montage. And you know, it's how impacted you are by that. And clearly this year, Johnny was not moved by the death montage. I didn't, I didn't watch it. I think I was on, I was on holiday in, in Morocco. But obviously I read a lot of, you know, obituaries. I, I, but I, I, can't, I can't remember who, who, who went last year. Who, who went last year? <laughs> like, Roger, Roger Bannister? Roger, uh, Roger Bannister. Yeah, we might have lost Roger Bannister. That was probably. I mean, that, that was that was a, one of the big ones. Um, but you know, in terms of in terms of like a real sort of you know tra- a tragedy, like a you know maybe like a really young person or uh, you know that, that that I think we got off pretty lightly. What, what a turn this has taken! Um, what a turn! So that's Johnny's review of sport in 2018. <laughs> We're looking more ahead to 2019, <laughs> and uh, we've <laughs> Miguel needs to just compose himself slightly. Uh, we have. Going into uh, the, the Champions League, we've got the Champions League knockout rounds that we d- dissected that straight after the draw, if you remember last time. Um, and we said Man United um, PSG uh, was not, it was, it was third, wasn't it, on our power rankings? Man United PSG, better or worse, with Solskjaer in for Mourinho? Uh, probably less interesting, right? Um, probably less interesting story wise, unless suddenly United. Make, actually, the game will be better. But the kind of old narrative around it will be worse, I'd say. Just because... Because, well, I mean, the one thing you have to say for that Portuguese manager is that he was quite good for story, off-pitch storylines, and even if we got bored of the, of the same, same thing over and over again. Yeah. And there was a kind of wider context to this about when he's going to leave Manchester United, were PSG an option, although apparently they were, they're, they're no longer at all interested. So that's gone now. And actually, that would have been quite tiresome, really. Whereas now, it's just basically, can Solskjaer come up with a way to defy... Neymar and can can Phil Jones stop Neymar? And by then, uh, by the time we get around to the Champions League, it's going to be February. So we've got how long left? We've got three weeks of transfer window left. And now, because the the margins are so tight at the top, you do wonder if any of the clubs at the top are going to make a move that could alter the second half of the season. We've seen them happen before. Uh, Most notably, when Liverpool bought Virgil van Dijk, they completely changed. So... Do you expect any of the the bigger clubs up there to make a move that might give them impetus, Jack? Um, Spurs are looking for a midfielder. Uh, they don't have a lot. What of sort money. of midfielder do you think? I think a holding midfielder because uh-huh. uh, they're playing Harry Winks at the base yeah, of the diamond they've, they've at the moment. They've been limited because of Dyer's Dyer's had appendicitis and Dembele is kind of finished. Uh, Wanyama has been injured all season, so they've basically been left with Winks and Sissoko. Uh, Winks, Sissoko, and Eriksson as their midfield all season, who have been really like. They ideally they'd be the players you'd be rotating, so you only have to play them once a week. But they've been playing every game; they look exhausted. Uh, and I think Pochino realizes that he needs another option, even though they don't have money to spend. Um, uh, I don't know who they will end up getting. They want that guy from Blackburn, whose name I've forgotten. Sorry. Um, which I, I don't know which one. Not Bradley. Not Bradley. Uh, yeah. da- David Dunn. No, Damien Duff. No, Morton Gans Pedersen. Morton Gans Pedersen. Uh, we'll ask the resident Blackburn fan in the office. I don't know who you're talking about. Um, Arsenal do have the offer of Denis Suarez from Barcelona, which would be an interesting Manchester move. City legend. He is. Uh, He's uh, worked uh, under Unai Emery before yeah. in Sevilla when he was on loan. And uh, Emery was looking at Ever Benega, but that could be harder to do. Ever Benega 
it's harder to do, but he's out of contract at the end of the season. Mm. Is that right? But so, he, he wants something now. Uh, right, okay. January. But but Arsenal haven't got loads of money to spend in January. No. If they can, they're going to have to do it on the cheap. Chelsea look to be clearing out a couple. Uh, obviously, there's the chance that Callum Hudson, Adoy goes by Munich. They're pretty confident, so they're getting from somewhere. They're getting encouragement that this might happen. Um, having written about Reese Nelson, Jaden Sancho, uh, Jack, what do you think about the Hudson Adoy situation? What I do know is that like teams in Germany have looked at Jaden, seen the success of Jaden Sancho, and they are now desperate for their own version, basically. And as much as people have praised Sancho, Sancho has literally been one of the top players in the Bundesliga this season, one of the top creators yeah. and attackers in Europe, and he's an English teenager. Um, even like when he scored the winner against Schalke, which is uh, Dortmund-Schalke is probably the biggest derby in derby game in Germany, he scores the winner in that, and you barely heard about it over here, really. But he has all season long been absolutely outstanding. Yeah, he he has been. He has like he has been much even better than anybody expected him to be. Like he he's been deciding all their biggest games. He is he looks kind of unstoppable when he gets going. His finishing is amazing. He gets so many assists. Like I don't think teams have figured out any way to to stop him yet. I'm sure they will in time. Um and it looks, you know, nobody expected he would be this good this quickly. And of course, like football clubs do not think originally. Like one it, we've seen this a million times before all it takes is one club does one thing and then everyone else is like oh god that's a good idea why don't we do that like when City signed Georgie King Clancy and Newcastle signed Tamuri Ketspaya or when Arsenal got Cesc Fabregas and then everybody started trying to find like Spanish teenagers to put <laughs> in their academies or like when everybody decided they needed their own Dembele right yes. yeah completely and now and now Dortmund have got Jadon Sancho and everyone else in Germany is like oh god let's uh, let's look at the English academies and see if we can find young English but, wingers actually ra- rather than necessarily a bit of um, a kind of a, a, a fad or a trend does this not just actually it's almost more it points to market forces and that basically just this this mechanism has given ri- been given rise because of the way the market works so basically England is produce, actually producing a lot of talent now does that ta- w- the lower divisions and the loan system is no longer good enough to yeah. contain that talent so where's the next best option and and the way because England now kind of has such a force in the top end of the market it's actually only natural that Germany which I don't think it is only natural I think mm. German clubs still have to decide German clubs still have to think let's look that Let's look there for players. They have to look Having for value. Up, Sancho, example, yeah. Even though obviously, like there mm. is, like there is a supply of players, mm. German clubs still have to have have to have been given the example of Sancho, and then and now to be like, oh wow, let's go yeah. get those guys. But it, it, it does seem to have gone deeper level because I was told when I, one of the one of the really rated prospects at one of the top six clubs, he's like twelve Bundesliga clubs into in from. It's, yeah, it's yeah. A, which is it's, because of Sancho. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly. It, becomes a more appetising prospect for a, a German club and they, I say you see Premier League clubs spend money all the time without truly thinking about it you know they, they spend money even when it doesn't look like a deal where there's any upside to it it's like we're buying this player at the top of their market value Bundesliga clubs still have to spend intelligently so they are looking at these young players and thinking you know is there the upside here to if we buy a, a young guy for say 10 million pounds he could be worth 40 or 50 if he really pops now Jaden Sancho how much do they spend on him? Seven, million. seven million, yeah, eight, eight million. No, he's got to be worth ten times that already. So, from a, an investment point of view, L- look at what they made from Pulisic. They got like what sixty million for Pulisic. Yeah. 
uh, who's got 18 months left in his contract. And he's been kept out of the team. They're going to end up, and uh, yeah, and he's literally on the bench. Like they, they're going to end up selling Sancho to Man United or Real Madrid for 100 million. Uh, for, uh, for every every Sancho, there's several more who 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 aren't worth the money, who, who don't justify the fee. I think I, I saw um, I saw a few, a few months ago that Manchester City, who are who are about to sell Brahim Diaz for 16 million, possibly rising yeah. to 22. They they made. Forty-four million pounds in player sales from players who had never played a game for the club. The for, for, for the English clubs, for the big clubs, who are the stockpiling of young talent, has actually proven a very sound business decision for them. Oh yeah, the so player trading. Yeah, so so it wouldn't. It, I mean, it, it wouldn't. It doesn't surprise me that Bundesliga club. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, big La Liga clubs were trawling through the you know the cages of South London trying to find the next Jadon Sancho because. Clearly, that's that's where the value in the market is at the moment. The Spanish clubs uh, have always been good at controlling Spa- the big Spanish clubs, Real Madrid and Barca, particularly. Have always been good at controlling the Spanish market because what they do is they stockpile players from very young, and then they sell them to other league clubs with a, a cheap buyback. And and that's what City and Real Madrid, especially, are going to have to do when new loan rules come in to prevent them sending fifty players out on loan. They instead will sell to. Brighton or Huddersfield or whoever for 10 million with a buyback for 15 and one of the reasons Denis Suarez is available this summer sorry this, this January and this summer from Barcelona is because Barcelona sold him they've sold him before and they had a 3 million euros buyback clause now if anyone plays at any good level in La Liga you have to spend 3 million euros to get them back knowing you can sell him but the deal said that he had to play for them for 12 months before they can sell him so he's basically just been sat on the bench because they had to buy him back for €3 million, Euros knowing that they could sell him for 20 eventually. But it ruins another year of the player's career. And what we're going to see, I think, is just more of that, where City and Chelsea, like maybe Chelsea, if they had more time with Hudson-Odoi, could sell him to a club like uh, Palace or Watford for €25 million with a buyback of €35 million, knowing that if he has one or two good seasons, that's a cheap price, really, to pay for a player who's starred in the Premier League. Yeah, I'm... Some the player is, in in a way, owned by it's a commodity club for for so so long. I mean, Dele, is Delafeu? I know he's at Watford now, but I'm sure Barcelona have some kind of will have some <laughs> hold over. Him. No, no, so like, they, 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 just, they just press a little you know button in, in the office, and like Delafeu comes you know comes homing back. It's like one of those vacuum cleaners where you press the button, it wheels in yeah, the wheel, cord, like, like the Henry thing, where, where you know you, you, you wheel the cord in, and Delafeu's back at, you know, and he's now he's now 32, Delafeu, and, and he's he's slotting um, you know nine Copa del Rey games, and, and that's it. Uh, I, I think I think it's certainly a, a vision of what is to come uh, and I think Stu James wrote in the Guardian this week he's talking about how the loan markets become much more difficult for the clubs that are trying to loan players as mm. well because these big clubs are putting huge demands um, there was uh, Danny Drinkwater who earlier this season you know, they were asking for what would it be an eight figure loan fee for drink, drink water for the season which is an, an incredible amount uh, of money. Uh, actually, and pens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on that, on the, actually, it's interesting and it's re- relative to, or relevant to the Morata situation that Chelsea are very, very canny in that way because they, they, they won't sell when a player's value is low. They'll insist on loaning out first. Um, they... Um, yeah, no, yeah. I, I get it. They they don't sell at a low value. Yeah, yeah. So even if they're doing it with someone like Drinkwater, but who... Liverpool have been selling well as well. I mean, they sold Solanke for mm. nineteen million this week, which is ridiculous, mm. frankly. Um, anything to, else to add before we go? We are 
in no, a little nothing, bit. Nothing, so. nothing to add. Uh, next week, next week's pod, we've got friend of the pod Josh Robinson on to talk about his new book. Oh, is that next oh, week? Good. Is it? Yeah, that's, that's next Monday. And it's a good book as well. I read some of that while I was away. Uh, about the, the club. The, yeah. What are the FA Cup replays next week? Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, we need to see the schedule on those. Uh, until then, good. please remember to join Independent Minds, the new subscription service from The Independent that gives you access to exclusive articles, events, ebooks, a new app, and no advertising. Subscribe today for just five ninety nine a month, and there you can read all of the people that have been set around me. So thank you to Jonathan Lou to my right. I built my website on Squarespace. Thank you to Miguel Delaney <laughs> to my left. Thank you. And thank you to Jack Brooke. Uh, <laughs> I have been a Mali, and this has been the Independent Podcast. Goodbye.